We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the True Faith Weekly Podcast, sponsored by Phoenix Taxis and Coaches. To book online, please visit www.phoenixtaxis.net. Welcome to the True Faith Weekly Radio Show. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm Alex Hurst and I'm joined today by Ben Wade. Hello, mate. And today we'll be talking about all things Newcastle United, unfortunately. And what better place to start than Wednesday's humiliation? Ben, you win out the game. Yeah, great British bake off. <laughs> can't, can't miss that, mate. <laughs> was there pastries night or something? <laughs> yeah, I was there. Uh, the worst. Uh, it's always hard to quantify this kind of stuff. Was it the worst game I've ever been? Oh, I've been beat six 0 We've lost derbies. We've 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 had some real dark days at St James's. But that was um, I'm trying to think of a game last season. West Brom was bad. I know we didn't get beat. We drew one one. Uh, Perez scored. And it, it stopped the rot of nine defeats in a row. But it was just something about like Newcastle are rubbish now. That was you know this is it. West Brom had nothing to play for. And that was the best we could do, and and a point was like a good achievement against West Brom at home. Yeah. And last night or last night, Wednesday night was a little bit similar to that. It was, I don't think it's a lack of effort from the players. It's a lack of heart. Emotions when we went down, just not bother themselves to move. It, it, the problems lie much deeper than that. So, you know, I'll speak to you, Ben, as someone who wasn't at the match, one of the 34,000-strong crowd, 35,000-strong crowd. What's your reaction to it, and what, how were you following it? Uh, so I had it on a mixture of things. I was sort of following Twitter um, as it was going on, uh, and I had um, the like the Sky Sports sort of coverage on the background, um, but I was mainly just following it online, uh, sort of on my phone. Um, and it just... <laughs> It, it didn't really surprise us. I, I don't know why, but it just sounded like um, the players just were completely unprepared and maybe unwilling to put it, put in sort of any sort of real fight against the team that were going to come here looking for a scrap. They they were massive underdogs. Uh, there was only one way they were going to win that game, um, 
and it sounds like that they came to sort of try and spoil the party, but <laughs> they didn't need to. It sounds like we did uh, most of the sort of damage ourselves, really. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a few different ways we can examine this tonight regarding what is wrong at Newcastle United. Now, Lee Charnley apparently sent another email out today. I don't know if anyone got it. know yeah. what this week um, it's Mick Lowe's and I'm going to talk about Mick Lowe's after this is done because he's, he's right going to load it we are a professional outfit so of course I had this prepared <laughs> Ben that's your coke yeah yes it is done <laughs> here we go here's Mick Lowe's on the state of Newcastle United this is a football club in meltdown this is a football club in disarray Steve McLaren says they're almost in crisis they are in crisis and it's born out of one word it's born out of contempt we all knew the problems they are getting worse it's not even a championship side it's a championship sides reserve team it follows on from Watford at the weekend when you thought you know they couldn't get any more pitiful they couldn't get any more toothless now they go out they're being presented on a plate by Sheffield Wednesday with the opportunity to put a smile back on people's faces to try and restore a bit of pride and they fail even more dismally than they did at the weekend. God knows what's going on in these players' minds. Football clubs, by their very nature, are vibrant places. They're places that invigorate you. We've got one that was once a cathedral on the hill where people went to worship. That cathedral is now akin to a graveyard where you go to remember and to relive good times. It is dying a death and the managing director comes out and says, he's, you know, he, he doesn't do interviews. If you don't want to get bitten, don't put your head in the crocodile's mouth. Yeah, so that was Mick Lowe's there. Um, radio show rival. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, in these days with the internet. I mean, we're not that old. <laughs> we're not young. Uh, <laughs> you know, Mick Lowe's was the voice of my childhood almost. Some people say that's a dodgy childhood, but it is. <laughs> My mum, who's not listening this week, um, my mum, like, w- w- if we're in the car, wouldn't even let us listen to the match. <laughs> That's how much it didn't like football growing up. So getting a listen room was a privilege. And Newcastle all right, under Robson and stuff like that. So mm. it, it was good listening. To hear him, the passion in his voice there, absolutely superb. From And he, yeah. I think he's written, you know, he's put some thought into that. And every, everything he says is absolutely spot on, Ben. No, he articulated it very well, I thought. It's, um, it's very different to the <laughs> normal sort of media narrative that it's, all our fault, it's all the fans' fault and things like that. There's someone that's, that gets it, and obviously it helps that he's from up here, but there's been plenty of other um, sort of former players and managers and that, that have been involved with the club that have come out sort of and been critical in the media. 
um, and they've just they've just put across. It's almost as if they've had an agenda that they've wanted to get across. Whereas finally, there's someone in the media that's willing to sort of say it how it actually is and talk, sort of give it from the side from our sort of side, of, uh, our point of view. Definitely, and the last season is the big um, counter argument to this because last season uh, Radio Newcastle in particular were incredibly defensive of the of the Ashley regime mm-hmm. of John Carver in particular not so much of Alan Pardew but certainly of John Carver and mm-hmm. it was almost farcical to listen to at times I stopped listening in the end because you know Newcastle were getting humiliated I think Newcastle were humiliated at Leicester and you were listening to Total Sport and you were listening to Mick Lowe saying you know what's he supposed to do and all this kind of thing and yeah. everyone everyone could see that the, the players everyone everything the club was rotten from top to bottom and what startles me is that how quickly this has gone downhill for Steve McLaren. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely nosedive. We're going to talk a little bit about later on about what he specifically has been saying. But Jesus, it's it's a uh, you know I remember doing a, obviously we've done the special podcast this season with uh, McMartin, uh, Martin Hardy, Luke Edwards, and we did um, George Colton as well. And every single one of those podcasts was was positive. It wasn't that long ago we did yeah, them. Yeah. Uh, and we're saying, I remember George Colgan said to us, "It's the first time he'd been at St James's in a long time that um, you know that he'd felt positive." And then Mick, who I'm just about to introduce to you, said exactly the same thing. You know, being back at St James's Park was was it was almost like a, a, a breath of fresh air, a, a new lease of life. So this, the, the way things have uh, have managed to, you know, unravel well, is pretty startling. I mean, I think it's you, you say it's nosedive, but it. It's essentially just re- revol- uh, sort of defaulted back to what it was last year, hasn't it? It's worse. Well, I think we'll, we'll touch on that in the moment. I'm, I'm really happy to invite the show now, uh, Mick Martin, editor of True Faith. Hello, Mick, are you there? Hi, ha- hello, lads, how are you? Yeah, good, night, how are you? good thanks. Yeah, so uh, we've obviously got you on to talk about the state of the, the club and the, the team at the moment. We've, we've just been saying, Charlie sent this email today. Uh, Mick, have you seen it? Yeah, I have, yeah. Right, do you want to just tell us in the listeners, since we, we're on some kind of blacklist, it appears, uh, what, what <laughs> oh, ex- exactly the context is. I was just saying... Really sorry about that. <laughs> we're not going to make any knee-jerk decisions. Uh, keep supporting us. That that I think that that was terrible. Yeah, it was one of the worst. Um, and you know they made this promise that they were going to attack the cups this year. Um, uh, but if you hadn't been told that, you would have just thought it was a continuation of what we've seen in previous years in cup competitions. You know, um, to be fair to, to McLaren, he didn't have a, a lot of options up top. But the ones that he did, he didn't. He did have. He didn't use, did he? So you know, he started with that false nine kind of position which I'm not really sure what that means actually but just the whole um, inability to um, find a black and white shirt, some of the things that the, the thing that really gets on my nerves about Anita picking the ball up off the goalie and running ten yards forward and then passing it square, you know, I mean what the hell are you doing son 
Um, so there's a there's a number of things you can just go in, but the, I thought uh, there was a total lack of lack of appetite at all. Then you might have, you might as well not been on the pitch. Um, seemed to show that's the laziest performance I've ever seen from a professional footballer in a long time. And Sissoko again, hot, lame kind of performance, you know. And they're the, they're the senior professionals on the team, the latter two. You know, yes, you should be expecting more from them, but you know it was inevitable that they were going to score, wasn't it? You know, um, the warmed crow's hands before they scored, and <laughs> I, I can't remember we're, we're having a shot on target. No, I think it was the 81st minute uh, that we actually got one on target. And as you say, Chef Wed were the better team, a reserve Chef Wed team. There, there's no one, yeah. no one who watched that match thought that Newcastle were hard done by at all. Chef Wed should have won by oh. more. And you know, had- I mean. Sorry, my no, Sheffield Wednesday put a scratch team out, didn't they? I mean, it was just a reserve team that they had out, and uh, and they managed to, to have far too much, far, far more than us. Uh, and, you know, fair play, they kept that shape, they were resolute and diligent, and, um, and I wish them all the very, very best, you know, in the next in the next round. Um, we were absolutely minging, you know, we were, it's the only way you can describe it. And if you look at uh, the, the week that's just gone, I recall having spoken to you several times on the on the podcast we've done and what you put into on on the websites and in the fanzine over the summer. Chef Wed and Watford, both teams just looked a world away physically from Newcastle United. We looked weak, yeah. slow, small. Watford especially, the, the two big lads for Watford up front, I've not seen anyone probably since Andy Carroll, maybe Demba Bar have that kind of physical presence on a centre back partnership and what what you were saying about wanting hard, fast players it, it it has it well apart from Mitrovic potentially it, it hasn't come true yeah. and, and I think once again what we're seeing the the fruits of a very 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 um, you know lopsided recruitment policy. What it seems is is that they're signing players to sell them in a in a couple of transfer windows time and they're not building the team they're not building the team that's the that's the, that's the problem so they spent this fifty million quid which is just to keep them up in, in the division, but with the idea that the players they bring in will sell. And that's what all this plumbing these markets in Belgium and Holland and France are about. Mm-hmm. They're about getting bargains. You might eat, it's the sports direct model. It's like, where can I get where can I get the, these suppliers from that can do this the best price and wh- how much markup can I make up on it? So, and they're doing, he's doing the same with players. So Luke Edwards had a piece in the Telegraph this week it looks a lot I've got a bit of time for. You know, but he was exonerating Ashley from the blame game, you know. No, no, Ashley's to blame because he's setting down the parameters and he's not telling them to build a team. They're not building a team and that's the, that's the fundamental problem that we've got. But not a football club. Nah, I, com- I completely agree. I mean, you, you look at the recruitment um, and you could put it to, the, to them that they've, they've not really... Um, sorted out any of the issues okay they've bought Mbemba but for years we've been crying out everybody knows we've needed a centre back uh, or two probably and a striker now okay they've, they've got Mitrovic and Mbemba but Mitrovic is a what a young 20 year old he's only played a, a year or two top life flight in Belgium um, he's not going to come in and, and set the Premier League alight um, and it's a lot to ask to put it, put it all on him especially seeing who, who you've got in reserve I mean Cissé just just doesn't look like he's interested um, and it's just the, the makeup of the team some of the players um, they, they just don't they don't have the fight for it I mean you look at Tovan if things aren't going well for him he, he, it just looks like he, he loses his confidence very early well, he's, very, he's very worrying sorry to jump in but he's yeah, no, very no. very worrying at the minute mm-hmm. and then 
you look at the previous one he signed to Bella and that, that's a ticket, 25 million quid, oh. that green car. Jesus. And here's another one that we'll have to come on to at some point, you know. Fellas, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to have to drop, I'm going to have to skip out the next 10 minutes. Uh, if you if you don't mind, I've got, I've got something waiting for me. Um, <laughs> but if I can come around in the program, that would be great if that's all right. Yeah, yeah. Give, just give her a call back, mate. Yeah, we'll speak to you soon. Okay, Alex. Cheers. See you soon. Bye. Cheers. I mean, Michael's spot on there, as always. You know, I remember the, the days when Michael especially used to split opinion amongst Newcastle fans, or some Newcastle fans anyway. People would all, you know, there was a lot of debate on the True Faith Facebook page across social media, all that kind of stuff. And these days, I, I, I don't know anybody who can seriously stick up for the regime. And I think um, Mick alluded to Luke Edwards there. Luke Edwards was on Look North last night. Uh, you know, a Telegraph journalist did a podcast with us, a, a very nice, a very nice bloke, and he was saying that Newcastle uh, basically had two or three seasons of transfer activity to catch up on. Mm-hmm. Spending fifty million pound in one summer wasn't going to do that, mm-hmm. and we're really coming to a stage now. And you alluded to it, Ben. I think Alexander Mitrovic is the difference between our season, get possibly even relegation, Definitely. where eggs are literally all in his basket. Yeah. Unless we we'll go out and sign a, a world, well. A, a just, a striker, a just a competent striker, striker in, in January, which, you know, I'm not going to hold my breath, this being your castle. Um, you know, my question to you would be, as Michael said, who is to blame for this? Is it Ashley? Is it Charlie? Is it Carl? Is it's, it all of them? Is it McLaren? Yeah, it's, it's, I think everybody's got to take um, responsibility They've, as, a, as a team, I guess. <laughs> They've absolutely messed this up, 100%. Um, you look at I mean, obviously, Ashley's the one that's that's put together this this team of Charnley and Carr, and and obviously, they they're they're the ones he's put in charge of the club. Um, they're they're the ones that he's 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 put the trust into to build this team for a head coach. It's not a manager anymore. It's not Steve McLaren's job role to to do all the, the transfers anymore. I mean, obviously, sure he will have some input, but. It's it's been solely put in Carr's hands now, so he's un- unfortunately for him the the brunt's got to stop with him in terms of the the transfers just because I think, as you say, they've done nothing for a number of years, um, and they've they've I don't I mean I I don't even know if they try to do a quick fix. They've thrown money at it, money at it, but it's it's not really resolved any of the issues we've had. Um, we've been lacking character in the team for a long time I mean I know these these are international players of football they should they should be able to go out there and do the job but there's just no real um, fight in there I suppose the only one you could say is Colback but you would argue is is he up to is he the, got the ability to be starting in, a, in the team at the minute I mean his recent performances have been pretty poor um, and I just think there's there's a real lack of, of care in the team nobody looks like they're, they're hurting I mean, they, they keep saying, "Oh, it's it's tough to be in the, the dressing room and things." But you look at them sort of turning up. I mean, Tovan got a lot of criticism for still turning up in his tux. Um, I mean, I'm I'm not going to hammer him for that. But at the same time, you, it's a it's a business. You need to be switched on, um, and that's potentially just a sort of a maybe showing a bit of immaturity, um, which isn't what we're going to afford at the minute. Yeah, you spot on with everything. Everything you say. It's not often we agree on everything. Uh, I'm, going, I'm going to play uh, Steve McLaren's press conference in a bit between now and Michael calling back because I think Michael wants to touch on Graham Carr as well. Um, but I mean, we may as well start on McLaren. You kind of absolved him a little bit there of blame. Though you're saying obviously that the, the players especially have to take responsibility. In, in tactically, of, tactically, what do you think's going on here? 
I mean, that's the, that's where it comes out to him. I was I was absolving him of of the blame in terms of the transfer policy, um, but in terms of the performances on the pitch, that's all him. <laughs> that's not Charlie and Carr. I mean, they they put the the poor pieces around, but you, you can't tell me we've got a, a weaker squad or or team anyway, first team, than all of the teams that have just come up from the championship, and probably a few of the teams. Um, that are around us normally in the, in the Premier League, um, your likes of Aston Villa and Sunderland, and um, even the likes of West Brom and teams like that. You, you would say you, a lot of our players on on a good day would get in their first teams. So that then has to come down to McLaren. He's just not getting the, the, the performances out of them for a start, and he's this the formation that he keeps sticking with the four two three one just doesn't seem to appear to suit any of the players we've got. Um, I mean, you look at De Jong, as you say, he, he was lazy the other night. He's he's not going to cover much ground. You need to be getting him in in the right position. Um, I mean, obviously, he's meant to be number 10. You need to be getting him facing goal with runners past him with pace. I mean, it's it's similar to Matt Juan Mata, I think, in Man U, where for, for a while... He looked pretty average because he, he needs pace around him. He's good on the ball, but he's not he's not going to beat anyone with with any uh, sort of pace or anything. He's not going to go past players. He needs other players around him to to make the runs. And I think we just don't we, we lack a real um, cutting edge to the team. And there's there's no pace. I mean, Tovan and Cabela just again other number tens, but play that wide. They didn't really have the, the blistering pace that that you need to to worry defenders and at least get defenders sort of worried I mean we <laughs> you've alluded to it a number of times about Obertan a lot of people dislike him but he's got mm. pace he's going to worry defenders and you could see him having a, a bigger impact in a team with a De Jong will be pace and put the ball to use it rather than a, a couple of toe a, a toe run in a Sissoka who want to come in in field and it just, it's just far too easy to play it gets crammed um, and there's just no sort of uh, intent any from anyone to to force anything to to tr- even try anything. I mean, nobody's trying try to to beat a man or looking for any sort of link up or anything. It's just really poor. It's dire. Well, Newcastle, funny enough, haven't uploaded today's press conference to YouTube. That's at <laughs> no. So, like typical club going to ground. That, that's probably why we didn't get wrong. our email. <laughs> so I'm going to read you now a couple of McLaren's comments uh, from the press conference today and see what we think and then I'll read out a couple of reader com- contributions so according to the Steve McLaren today um, we are going through change and change is painful tough and hard uh, why are we wanting to change because these are like comedy quotes <laughs> because we've won five games in 32 which you have to take some responsibility for Steve Fact. we are changing a lot philosophy culture standards training and style it's necessary we have a philosophy, philosophy, and we are sticking to it. We will go through painful times, but when we get it right, it will be good. I'm very excited about that last bit. You know, he's pretty confident it'll be good. We know Chelsea will eventually um, turn the corner and start winning games because they've got too much quality not to do that. It'll be good to have Mitrovic back, um, and that Czech duty and Patrice Cisse will be in full training on Monday. Davis Stratton's been in touch at NUFC Shifty. Uh, Mac is 100% to blame. Uh, most new managers come in and install confidence even for a few months, but Mac hasn't poor pre-season. There was a poor pre-season followed by a poor start. He's not nailed down a system and he doesn't know his best players. It's shocking for a new manager. I will touch on that in a second, but I agree broadly with what um, mm-hmm. David there says. And we had uh, Mark Glenn Denning on the True Faith Facebook page today saying, where would you start with Newcastle's bad season? 
Um, Graham Carr, poor transfer choices. A man who uh, blithely disregards the cluffy philosophy of scouting. That being, scout the man as well as the player. Look for character defects. Regardless of quality, and I'm dubious, many of the players even have this. <laughs> uh, even the good ones have, our good ones have terribly flawed characters. McLaren is what he is. Pardew's equally smug clone with a worse haircut. <laughs> Perversely, the best paid. Very true. Truth is, mate, you have to look at the man with ultimate responsibility, Mike Ashley. Well said, Mark Lenton, and yeah. I, I really enjoyed that. That's absolutely spot on. Um, and and what you what you're saying before, it's, it's everywhere you look at the club at the moment. It's just the same as last year and the season before. Everywhere you look, things are going wrong. Mm-hmm. You look at um, the team on the pitch, the tactics. They're going wrong. You look at the transfer strategy, you're going wrong. You look at the communication, as Mick Bowes referred to before when we played out what he was saying. We have a managing director who won't speak to people. Yes, he sends emails, which we don't get. <laughs> yes, he sends emails. And it's like, it's fine if it, if it was... How about this? Why doesn't he do an email of him talking? Like a <laughs> vlog? Michael said before, you know, I mean, you, you commented on the tone of Michael's voice, and that—that that is what it sounded like. It's like, you know, we've lost a few matches, we're a bit rubbish, but please come back. Mm-hmm. As I said in the podcast this week, forty-seven thousand there for Watford, forty-seven thousand, two and a half thousand Watford fans, three o'clock on a Saturday, and there's about six thousand missing people from this football club, and that's after spending, you know, this supposed mega investment of fifty million quid, where, you know, we'll keep on investing. And as my, that's what the, that's what Charlie and, and Ashley and, and all of them saying we're investing, and that's exactly what they are doing. They're not building, they're investing. They're buying Tovan because they think he'll be worth, not because he's the best option for Newcastle mm-hmm. United, but because he could be worth, could be worth twice that in three yeah. years' time. He might be, and I feel sorry for him because he's not a right winger. Just it's the same again with Cabela. I mean, neither of them might not might not be good enough for the Premier League, but they're both definitely not good enough being played out of position. Yeah, definitely in a poor team. I mean that that's the thing as well. Though you you you're looking to invest in young players to bring in, but it goes back to the character of the team. It's not a good environment to develop t- talent, to nurture talent. You need <laughs> sort of a wealth of experience, and you need good quality pros in there. Well, you you hear all the sort of rumours coming out about Cisse and Teote and the like, and it's it, it's just it sounds like it's a poisonous um, sort of ap- atmosphere. No, there's a lot of players don't want to be here. I mean, the likes of Soko has made it very mm. clear he doesn't want to be. How? What is that to sort of encourage and, and get the best out of a young player if that's the environment you're coming into? And and a lot of that's been created by the fact that the the board have set this um, sort of philosophy of any good players we get, we're going to let them them go. Players know where they stand now. They know just have to put in a decent season. You get a good move elsewhere, um, and it just it's. Just um, that it's just far too easy for players. That there's no sort of uh, accountability there. I'm going to talk a little bit about the last two games now before we speak to Michael later, and then we'll be on uh, again later, hopefully, and then we'll talk a little bit about what's to come. As Michael alluded to, Vernon and Nita picking the ball up off the, the, the goalkeeper or the centre backs, and essentially, it's Vernon and Nita's job to get the team going. He's what he's been here three years. He's been here 12, 13, 13, 14, and now 15, 16. So this is his 13. Math isn't great there. 12, 13, 13, 14, 14, 15, and 15, 16. This is his fourth season at Newcastle. If he was to leave tomorrow, I can't think of 
any particularly positive memories. He was all right against West Ham last season, but West Ham never turned up. He played all right at Man U when we won there 1-0, but he wasn't the best player by any stretch of the imagination. He cost £6 million. He was a Dutch international when he was, when he was arrived. And Steve McLaren has seemingly decided that Vernon Anita is the man to build the club around, the team around. Now, I'll allow get in touch on Tuesday, um, or Thursday, whenever the, the morning after the, uh, the match. And he said, well, actually, McLaren isn't trying to do that because he dropped him against... Um, Watford and Colbach's injured blah 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 and that's true but Vernon Anita has played what was it uh, Swansea away West Ham away Watford not Watford but now Sheffield Wednesday where that the, the game plan the blueprint for that, those three football matches that Newcastle have all lost and failed to score the game plan has been to get the ball to Vernon Anita as much as possible right. when we have the ball at the back it's, it's him he's meant to be the link isn't he bringing it out from the defence Um which just seems bizarre that you've, you, you've got Colaccini, who many you would consider is probably one of the best footballing centre-backs in the league. Yeah. Um, you've got Mbembe, who every time he touches the yeah. ball looks very confident. Yeah. He looks a brilliant player. Stephen Taylor, out. when he's fit, is Steven also Taylor confident. Stephen Taylor is very ball. confident. Um, it's that... Yeah. Thing where we're taking a player out of our midfield to stand in between the two centre backs. I tweeted on Wednesday night. What he does is, and this is this goes to Sissoko, the De Jong, Perez, the team. When Mike Williamson and Vernita get the ball, two very clear things happen. Number one, they all get into a tight line formation. I watched Jeff Wed do it time and time again. Watford did it. As well. And Watford. Well, with callback on the ball, but for Jeff Wed, yeah. Anita gets the ball and everyone starts turning around, looking at each other. Right, let's get into position. They also don't tackle them. They don't tackle Anita. They don't tackle Williamson. They let them have the ball. It's a very, very clear thing. It's been happening for a long time. Mm-hmm. Anita gets the ball. He has a look up. He might pass back to a defender. He might go forwards and get the ball back. He looks up, and someone will start making runs. So they've clearly been told in training by McLaren. Right, Anita. Has No, Anita doesn't do that. He'll often see them, he knows they're making the run, he feints to pass the ball, so the player makes the run, and he stops, and he passes it sideways. And the player who's made the run, I watched it time and time again on Wednesday, I watched it over and over, would be like, for, for, must, crying out, like, like throwing the hands yeah. up in the air, thinking, play the ball, yeah, I've seen you, I've made the run, play the ball, make the defender do something, back your ability, Vernon. And a couple of times he did do it, noticeably in the second half, he was clearly told by McLaren at half-time to get forwards, start running with the ball, and he started to do it. By that point, Chef Ward had sat deeper and deeper and deeper, realising they could quite easily play around the counter-attack, because we'd started a panic, he'd, he, McLaren had made two panic subs at half-time, who knows if Jan Matt's fit tomorrow, I hope he is, because <laughs> um, he went off at half-time on, on Wednesday. And it's just like, we, we can't continue... We've, we've done it West Ham Swansea and I know the, the couple of home games I know we need to play well at Old Trafford but that was a bit different we didn't have the, the time on the ball we did 
at home games, you know, I'm thinking of the Derby, I'm thinking of Norwich at home, which are the two games after City and uh, Chelsea. Chelsea. If he does that, we'll get beat. If 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 he decides to, you know, for Vernon need to come pick up that ball, we'll get beat. Mm-hmm. He's got to do one or two things. You know, McLaren says in the press conference there, which we read out, we're going to play this style of football. We're not going to change. And if that ha- if the, if this happens, it'll be good eventually. I guarantee you, Steve, Vernon need picking the ball up off the centre backs to keep her is not is never going to work. It, has, it, is, it didn't work against Sheffield Reserves. It'll not work against Norwich. Not not unless he has a serious sort of boost in confidence and and then learns how to make a. Yeah. A world class sort of pass in him. He hasn't got it. Enough. He hasn't got it unless we start playing long ball, which we're not going to. We don't have any powerful strikers. Well, if Mitrovic, uh, yeah, but it, him, it's but just it's just not going to work. And that's what's worrying about McLaren. McLaren says change is hard. This is going to work. Well, from everything I've seen, it's not going to work, Steve. Mm. It's just not going to work. Yeah, that's the thing as well. It's you've got you've spent a lot of money getting the, the majority of the money's been been ploughed into the the attacking. Um, Sort of half of the team, so we've got Mitrovic, Wijnaldum, Tovan, and then apparently, obviously, Sissoko. He he says as he's player that he wants to build a team around. Playing that formation isn't getting them on the ball enough. Yeah. So how can you expect to to do anything in a game without getting your best? We said on, on the, the podcast that we played we played against Watford without the midfield. Mm-hmm. We had Colbach playing alongside the back four, and the rest of them just stood up front doing out. No one running on beyond the last defender. It was really easy. We've had some contributions there uh, through Twitter. So Lord Spiceman's been in touch out to quadruple seven. Uh, why is it always the board that say we need to back the team? Uh, we've been doing that for years, and yeah. it, we're still rubbish. Basically, it's not exactly. our fault. They're yeah, in common. Definitely. That's a good point. And then David's uh, being back on. David Stratton says if players want to leave, they have to show consistent form, like Kabite did before he went. Sissoko is rubbish. Um, and thinks a big club should come into him. Uh, he has to earn the right. Playing well against the top clubs isn't going to get you a move. You have to do it more consistently. And also, decent players uh, are declining under this regime, like Krull. Um, it's starting to creep in again this season. I'd say you know Krull was at fault for the goal, kind of, on Wednesday, but he did pull off a wonder save at 1-0 mm-hmm. um, before the miss. I just want to talk about Sissoko, and you alluded to it, Ben, earlier, about Sissoko and overtime as well. I know, I mean, Sissoko... It was a, it was another good example. The second half, Sissoko should have been getting amongst the, that team and saying, "Listen, sort yourself out." He should have been demanding the ball. He should have been moving towards. We should have been taking free kicks. If it was me playing in, in our five-a-side team <laughs> our, and, and we're doing you know far worse, you know you want to get on the ball. You say, "How are lads? Yeah. Come on!" And he was silent. He you, was nowhere. Ha- however, he's still the best player by country mile. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> and, and that's the thing. Obertan and Sissoko are so unpopular. Obertan didn't have a particularly good game. But the one or two times he got the ball at his feet, something happened. Obviously, he created the transfer to Sissoko, which hit the outside of the post, and he got beyond the defender quite easily because we're playing Sheffield Reserves and won a couple of corners, and we just had none of that from anywhere else. Now I, I would start both of them against Chelsea. It's interesting that I would say we've only really seen one bit of quality this season in the final third, and that was that goal against Southampton, where Obertan lashed on a long ball, um, delivered a brilliant cross that I didn't think he had in him I've never seen him do that before and put it slap bang on uh, Wijnaldum's head who was making a deep run into the box hasn't made that run since obviously he hasn't had the delivery either but um, it's just as you say a lot of the um, the 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 pressure goes on Sissoko because he is the best player to to deliver and uh, you can't fault people that slag him off I mean Mickey's obviously (laughs) one of his biggest uh, sort of haters um and it's, as you say, it's it's just infuriating that as, that why why isn't he taking control of the game? 
Um, I mean, you could say he's wasted out on the wide on in in wide positions at, on in games where we can't get on the ball. So why he doesn't bring him in sit in midfield? I don't know. But at the same time, as a player, if you know something's going wrong, get in, inside, come and get on the ball, make something happen. Um, and it just he is one that just doesn't. He, it's as if he thinks he, he can just coast in games, and it's it's not on him to do anything. It's almost as if it, if something if if he does some if the ball gets to him, he'll try something. If if it doesn't come off, fine, no problem. Um, and then if if we don't get the ball to him, it's not his fault. When you when you're that important to a team, you've got to be getting on the ball. You've got to come in and find the ball. Um, there's there's worse players in the team are trying to do it, and it's 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 the wrong people. I think that's what annoys people is that he just it's that lack of work ethic that people say he's got it's the fact that he, he just drifts through games um, not looking to get on the ball and, and that's one of the disappointing things where I mean Chef Chef Wed I mean in, in the Watford game okay he, he sort of helped with the goal but he could have done so much more in that game um, and it's it's just f- so frustrating to watch a, a quality player just coasting through games totally agree Wijnaldum, you mentioned him there, is hugely worrying. Wijnaldum and Tovan are the two for me. You can throw De Jong into that as well now. We've seen him play. They offer so little. They offer so little. And Wijnaldum, as Newcastle's third most expensive signing, and yet great goal. And he showed, I wouldn't even say flashes, glimpses of ability. His change of pace is excellent. And it, he seems to come into it a bit more in the in the second half of games against Watford and against Arsenal and also against West Ham. It was, he kind of got the feeling he was like, right, Screw this! I'm going to do something here. And even the man you gave, he I needs to he be. I mean, he was, he was played alongside Anita mm-hmm. uh, against Chef Wed. And I actually said in the podcast, if I've no idea where he plays, let's try him. Either try him or Sissoko in the. It, McLaren's going to play four two three one. It's yeah. just mm-hmm. the rest of the season we're going to play this formation. It's too isn't it? Yeah, this, it's not going to change. That's the plan. We're playing four two three one. Doesn't work. Never never worked for Newcastle. Didn't work on the cover. Didn't work on a podium. Doesn't work now. But he's going to keep playing it. Where does Wijnaldum play? I've no idea. I would actually play him on the right of midfield now because he's got. We've got to try something. Mm-hmm. Let's put Tovan in Wijnaldum's position inside where Tovan wants to play. Wijnaldum's got pace. He could play right in midfield. He's got Jan Matt behind him, who's class. Mm-hmm. Let's see something different. Let's yeah. see him try get him in the game. I mean, that's the thing as well. I think against Watford, um, obviously Haidara made the mistake for the first goal, and I think that dented his confidence. Um, he, he was still getting forward now and again, but. Nowhere near as much as say Yamat, and, and just tell all all anything good from Newcastle comes down the right. It's Sissoko yeah. and Yamat, yeah. and mainly because Yamat <laughs> forces sort of something to happen. He gets forward, he he makes dangerous runs, he makes overlapping runs. He he's not scared to get on the ball, see a run go past and cut inside and, and dumb it, use use the run and things like that. There's nobody else in the team who does that, and that's worrying that it's your right back that's got that confidence and that yeah. that sort of drive to, to go forward that's what you want Wijnaldum to be doing that's what you want Tovan to be doing they, they they're just I don't know if it's they're not willing or or what but um, they, they just don't look like they've they've got it within them um, Tovan I think could have benefited as you say with, with a more experienced winger who, who knows the runs I think Haidar is very raw um, he's you've alluded to it a few times he's, he's got blistering pace and he likes to get forward and he's not he's not a bad attacker but he's not the f- nowhere near the finished article, um, no. and he, he's very wasteful a lot. A lot of the times with his with his end product, um, so at least give give Tovan a bit of a chance with maybe Yamat or, or 
or something on on the right where at least he's going to get that run and he's he's good. It's going to take a man away from him. I think what was happening with Washford was he, he was getting the ball and there was two or three players around him every time, and and Haidar would stop making that that overlapping run. So it was just too easy to defend. At least you see on the other side, you don't ever really see Yamat or Soko doubled up on because the other ones made a run to pull a defender away. And I think that's you, you've got to put players in a position to, to do well. And I just think the formation he's been playing and the positions been the, the partnerships you talked about partnerships the other week they're just not working they're either not there or they're just not being utilised as best as they could definitely Chelsea this weekend we'll, we'll do a bit more to say about McLaren and about Newcastle we'll come on to them later Chelsea this weekend Man City next weekend will Newcastle have two points from eight games Ben <laughs> not a chance so you think we're going to pick oh, up a couple sorry. of points I mean it would take an unbelievably poor performance from Chelsea. Um, they have been poor. They have, but no Costa. I mean, we're something else, aren't we? Uh, at the minute, They've, they're not. They're not going to have to worry about any sort of attacking threat. We're not going <laughs> to offer anything. Mitrovic back. Mm. Raring to go. If he doesn't get sent off for <laughs> for blowing on someone it's, or something yeah. like, if that, you, that's you, just ima- you just imagine him like literally just walking past someone and yeah. uh, and getting sent off the way referees are these days. I don't know who the referee is uh, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I said the other day, um, before I give you my me, me, me thoughts on Chelsea, that Thursday morning I was taxi driving and picked up from the Hilton. I think it was a half-seven pick-up or something. And I uh, looked up from my phone and I was writing the, the points of the on the podcast Twitter account at TFWeeklyPod, please follow us. <laughs> um, and I was writing the points about how rubbish were and, and all these reasons. And then I looked up and McLaren was stood next to the door and he <laughs> wasn't leaning on, on my car. But he was pretty close, <laughs> and I was kind of had to do a double take. And my hand was on the door, and I was just gonna—I was gonna shout at him, "Play two up front, man!" And I thought, "Nah, kind of, you know, it's, it's, he's not at work, mm-hmm. you know." So if anyone—if anyone's listening wants to tweet him what they would have said to him, I'll do, <laughs> next next time we'll play a weekday home game, I'll go down for the same time. <laughs> um, you know, Keith Bishop was there as well, Ashley's PR man. Not that him and McLaren were talking, but I think, what would they have to talk about? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was quite funny. But on Chelsea, I think we'll have a chance this weekend. And I'm not going. I've decided to work instead uh, because I've got a lot going on at work. But normally, in the, if Newcastle were any kind of football team, I certainly wouldn't. Uh, I'd certainly work. Uh, sorry, I'd go to the match. But at the moment, it's just not worth it. Like, going to the Watford and Sheffield games wasn't worth it. It's pointless. Newcastle has only shots on target. And it's not It's not just that we're rubbish. We've been rubbish for years. It's the fact that McLaren's sticking with this formation. At the end of the Sheffield game, we played Ivan Tony up front by himself and 19-year-olds. And I, I sent you a, t- a picture, didn't I? And about yeah, 85 yeah. minutes showing that he was still clearly playing 4 2 3 1. And Ivan Tony's up front by himself. That's what, I don't understand what he's going to do. Put two up front. At least Pardew with Hoy Williamson up there for the last, <laughs> you know, for the last five ten minutes or something like that. McLaren, you get none of it against Chelsea. We might, and I think McMahon alluded to this in his um, match report the other day for for the Sheffield game. We might be able to get behind the ball, play four two three one. You had, I think, Callback's out, so who knows going to play alongside him, and we'll be able to play like the away side. Like we did at Man United, defend deep, frustrate Chelsea, and hit them on the counter attack with maybe Sissoko and possibly Obertan with Mitrovic. So there's a chance we we'll might sneak a draw and we'll get beat at City and then it's the derby. It's just worrying, isn't it? Like you, the derby again. Um, it's obviously the way the team are playing at the minute. We've, we've not we've been what averaging less than a shot on goal. <laughs> um, you on just target, think, yeah. On target, so yeah. Um, 
it's just I, I can't see how it's going to change against Chelsea. Who, who you say they've been poor, but they, they're improving. Okay, they're going to be without Costa, um, but I mean the the sort of the best game it could I could see it being like I suppose against Arsenal, it will have been a similar sort of siege mentality. Um, but I mean, we still lost that game. We didn't offer anything going forward. We we didn't have a chance in that game. Well, not that I remember. Um, and it's just I think it's just going to be more of the same. The, the players that need to be um, sort of looking to get forward just don't they look disinterested at the minute. Um, hopefully Mitrovic will make a difference in terms of how we're going to play. At least if we get the ball up to him, the ball's not coming straight back, which it was with Cisse. Um He should get at least let we push up the field a bit because he'll hold up the ball, bring players into um, into the game. But I just I think it's it's a lot to put on a, a young lad to expect to be bossing. Um, Coomer and Cahill or, or Terry or whoever it is it's a hell of a lot of pressure on, on a young lad Lord Spiceman's been in touch at 2777 thanks very much um, Spiceman ref is Martin Atkinson that's worrying he likes a red card <laughs> Stephen Gerrard's uh, autobiography his, his most recent autobiography he's got a few <laughs> um, is is back out and he says that Martin least favourite ref because he enjoyed sending players off mm-hmm. he, he got a kick out of it um, you've also got the fact that uh, Lord Spiceman says there that Newcastle have won three. Kind of, I'll, and I'll save this start for Michael actually because I'm I'm shocked by it and I'm pretty sure he's right. I mean, this is presu- it's, it's kind of stats presuming that we'll not win another game this year. Um, but, who's Michael's? Uh, no, Lord Spiceman who's oh, been right, on Twitter. Sorry. But um, Michael joins us again now. Hello, Michael. Hi, yeah. Hi, yeah. Sorry about that. So right, we've just we've just heard from uh, one of the listeners on Twitter who said that. To date, Newcastle have won three Premier League games in 2015. The worst yeah. record that we'll have since World War Two in a calendar year is nine. Yeah. I wouldn't bet against us um, failing to beat that. Yeah, it's depressing, isn't it? It's absolutely depressing. And, um, you know, calls for support, etc. They're at the moment, aren't they? Because there's just... Um, there's seems to be a confidence in the people Yeah, absolutely. I mean what we you were gonna you were gonna say earlier about um Graham Carr, I don't know whether you still want to talk about him, but I'd like to get your views on McLaren, the man in the middle of this who certainly changed his tune recently. Are you are you are you uh, are you taking in anything McLaren's saying? Are you agreeing with him that the, the scope of the job is just that big that it's not surprising that, that what he would call change, he keeps talking about change, is that it's been that difficult or do you think he's very much part of the problem? Well, it's it's kind of I don't know. There just seems to be a number of off-the-shelf answers for situations that we seem to find ourselves. Um, Graham Carr, I believe, it was the man who um, lobbied for McLaren to be the, the manager, and 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 that seems to be on the basis that he's the manager who he gets on with the most. So, hmm. and they'll have that relationship that will work for. For them, when they bring when they bring players in, you know, to give them a polish, hopefully sell on as, as a profit, and then you, which was the the reason why Carr and Pardew feel the gel, you know. So it's uh, it's just it's this thing. It goes back to the fundamental ethos of the club, which is flawed, and and that is not wanting to build a team, you know. So in the last podcast, Alex, you made an excellent point about the fullbacks that we've got on the books, you know, we just haven't got enough, have we? Nope. You know, we, you know, we couldn't play, we couldn't play left back. We're, you know, so 
you know, Hadara goes out, it, sorry, John Matt goes out with team, and, and what can we do? You know, it's 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 a ridiculous thing. It's because they're not building a squad, they're not building a team, they're building, they're creating a shop front for players to come in, show what they can do, show what they can do, and then be moved on at a profit. And you know, it's it's so sad. And but I think even the most moderate of people now have, have kind of um, have woken up to that fact and. You know, I was driving to work the other morning and I heard Mick Lowe's, you know, have a, a real go at what the club was about and I was quite shocked because that wasn't the thing you know, that I associated with Mick Lowe's. Yeah, we played the clip actually on the show earlier to, to demonstrate that point. Things have really yeah. changed recently and I, I was actually, I referenced it earlier and I said in the podcast this week, I think against Watford there was 47,000 there, 2,500 yeah. Watford fans. So that's, that's close enough to 6,000 people in Newcastle, which is football mad, found you know had something better, something other to do, and tickets weren't particularly expensive for the Premier League on Saturday. So it's certainly you know well, it, 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 it's it's it, Alex because what they're now doing is that you know the, the offers that they've got of under, in my opinion, they're on the point of undermining the whole point of having a season ticket in some regards because they're, they're throwing the in, you know in some instances practically giving the tickets away because. Ashley is desperate to have, you know, a full look for games, you know, because that works so well for the corporate side of what he's trying to achieve with Sports Direct and advertising, etc. But also for the Premier League product as well. You know, it's uh, uh, you know, it's obviously in the interest of the Premier League for the greatest show on earth um, <laughs> to to look like there are actually people turning up to watch it. I know, and it's uh, mugs like us three here <laughs> who, keep, who keep doing it, but. I'll move on to this weekend. Um, I've just been saying that you, you either wrote um, you wrote in your editorial or the match report for Wednesday that we'll, we might, you know, Chelsea. It's not the worst game in the world. We'll probably get beat still, but if if like Norwich were coming to St James or something, I'd be really worried. Chelsea, it, yeah. it's worrying, but uh, I think you said it's it's possibly the kind of perfect game. Do you see in terms yeah. of being able to get everyone behind the ball, put in a man you style performance? Mm-hmm. Can you see anything changing this weekend, or are you are you very much um, worried? Oh no, I think they'll lose. I mean, <laughs> I, I think I, I think you'd be a fool to um, predict the win. But having <laughs> said that, they have beaten them in the past. You know, it's St James's, and the, they are they might be a bogey team for Chelsea in some respects. But you'd be a fool to say Newcastle are going to beat Chelsea tomorrow. Um, but it is a perfect game for him, and, he, and I look at how they played. You know the, the performances that they've put in this season that have received some credit were the ones at Man United and Arsenal, mm-hmm. and they're similar to playing Chelsea on the home where there's a, there's no expectations that that they'll take the game to Chelsea or mm-hmm. Man United or Arsenal, that there'll be a rear guard action that will not play much with the ball, and and you know they have played Man United that way, and they did play Arsenal that way, and they and they received some credit for that. Mm-hmm. So Chelsea is in the same in the same tradition. So I don't expect us to have possession much. Mm-hmm. I expect us to have every man behind the ball. Um, but if they get a goal in the first 15, 10, 15 minutes, then it's a grim afternoon for that, everyone at St James's. That's it, isn't it? I mean that. I mean that was one of the sort of the positives we said from the early games was that at least we looked like we could sort of defend. Um, mm. I mean he, he sort of brought in a, a bit of a structure then. A bit of shape uh, in the back four, so people knew what the what the jobs were now. Um, whereas previously yeah. in the Carver, they just didn't have a clue. Um, and I, I think I sort of take your point there, as you say, that the best performances we've had were Arsenal and Manchester, um, where they they basically 
Um, they didn't have to worry about getting up the field. They didn't have to worry about the attacking sense. It was just keep, keep your, your banks of, of four and, and five in midfield, make it tough for, for them to play through you, um, and, and we'll just sort of see what we can, can get out of it. And obviously, we've got a draw against uh, Man U in... And uh, we're a bit unfortunate not to get something out of Arsenal, but it's as you say. I mean, it, it's not you're not you can't really base build build your season like that because there's going to be plenty of teams. The, the majority of teams we play aren't going to come up and, and try and dominate like that. I mean, you saw that against West Ham, um, where basically as you as you said, the goal went in, and then it was just the easiest game in the world for them. Um, we we were never going to score that night. Yeah, um, and when the half had to take when you know when there's an expectation that they'll. That they're on the that they're on the pitch with people that they should be given a game at least. Mm-hmm. Um, they've really floundered, haven't they? You know, I'm thinking about this, their performance away at Swansea was dreadful. Yeah. Um, the performance at West Ham and Watford were were really poor, and you know that they were dreadful performances. And and another team, you know, a team that we expected to to be you know comfortably on Wednesday night was <laughs> Sheffield Wednesday, and we were expected to take the game to them, and we couldn't do that. One of the things that interests me about this thing is that McLaren's talking about is the identity of the team. So basically, that means, as I read it, how they play. Yeah. But I don't really know how a Steve McLaren team plays. You know, he's been in the game as a manager for a long time. But you know, I talk to Borough fans, and they, you know, are bored to tears by a lot of the time, a lot of the the, the performances that they saw. He was terrible at England. He was much the same as what we've seen from Newcastle, where he was neither one thing or the other. Mm. And um, and obviously he's been sacked by Derby. He was sacked previously by Forrest and by um, Wolfsburg. You know, so it's kind of you know what what has this guy got? What is his identity? You know, does he build strongly defensive teams, a la George Graham, or does he put very attacking teams out like a Kevin Keegan? I couldn't tell you really. Yeah, I couldn't tell I, you how a Steve McLaren team plays. It's, it's one thing we spoke about on the podcast the other week, actually. I think um, where we don't really know what what his game plan is. He, do, he doesn't appear to have yeah. one. Um, and as you've just alluded to there, the the, the second we go um, behind in games, I think everyone panics. Okay, well, it, appear, it appears to be point. sort of built on a defensive front and almost a possession game. But then, as we keep saying, he's not playing a midfield, so. How do you expect to keep possession? The substitutions are what worries me. They are bizarre, and I'm we're not football managers. We're just a couple of lads, and you know, like most of true faith readers, we've all got an opinion. But you have to concede that even the likes of Pardew and Carver that do have some better knowledge of us than than of tactical, of tactics and football. And and for me, the Watford game and the Sheffield Wednesday game, you used the word panic there. Uh, Steve McLaren panicked. I was watching him very closely. I was in, I was in a box on on Thursday night, Wednesday night. So a little bit closer to McLaren than I would normally be in the corner in our season ticket seat. And he was he wasn't happy. He came down from the the stands very early on. This is at nil nil. He was not happy. He was going absolutely mental with Turwan. I turned around and said to me, Dad. I said about half an hour. Turwan's coming off at half time. He was good. Like the rest of the players, the coaching staff, the subs can all see him. And I'm thinking, what? He's getting too. He's getting too animated here. Maybe he wants to show that. Maybe a bit of passion's good. He's getting too animated, and he brought on the lad, uh, you know, the young lad who have, whose name escapes me. Tony, Jimmy, no, no, no oh, the, the left back, Babu, at half time. And maybe Yamad had a problem. Maybe, and it was just what was we started that game and at half time with Obertan and Bemba 
um, both playing on the wrong side. So that's a, a joke to begin with. And in substitutions, bringing Tony on to play a pump by himself, that just looked bizarre. So you use the word panic there for the players when we go 1-0 down. I think McLaren, after being very self-assured, speaking very well about the club, about the fans, about expectations, about saying all the right things, that's, that soon disappeared. And that, 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 to me, is a man who's not only under pressure... It's a man who doesn't actually know what he's doing here. Yeah. I think as well. I mean, as you said, you just said there, he's he's starting these games up in the in the stands. Um, I can't imagine how much he's seen in five or ten minutes. When, as you say, every game I've seen, he's been down on the touchline very quickly. Now, okay, you can probably see things. Um, it, I think they, they use that as a sort of a better to get a better picture of how how the team set out. Um, but I mean, com- coming down that early every game, it just. It just thinks of that he's he knows he's made a mistake very early on, but it's almost that stubbornness, I guess, that he's he's not willing to change it. Now he, he tried to do the was it four one four one he went at who, West Ham. Who knows? Um, but that didn't work. I mean, what what that's not re- <laughs> it's not a drastic change to to a four two three one. It's it's just bizarre. Michael, when when me, it, it's not just about the formation. It's about um, how how deep they play. Mm-hmm. You know, so. You know, that they're playing really deep at home against Sheffield Wednesday when they should be playing, in my opinion, just my opinion, they should be playing a high line and they should be, you know, they should play three at the back and play five across the midfield and two up top with John Matt and, you know, um, and I would have played Torben on the on the other side, you know, uh, almost as a wing-back wing kind of role and flood the midfield. But uh, And the other thing as well, it's just the intensity that the player, you know, so you know, let's play the ball forward much more quickly than they've been doing, and let's and let's when we're when we're in and around the box, just have a shot, you know, have a go. Anything can happen. Yeah, we're, we're going to finish off. In, we're going to finish yeah. off in a minute. I mean, final question for you, Michael. I've just said on the show before that when I was I was taxi driving Thursday morning, um, I was at the Hilton Hotel picking up McLaren and Keith Bishop came out together, and. Oh, right. It was, um, I, I withheld the, I kept my professional veil on, didn't sound. <laughs> no, that would be nasty. I would have said play two up front or something like that would do something. But um, it was yeah. interesting that it was either, it might have even been Thursday's papers themselves or certainly the news coming out on Thursday, which made no surprise since Bishop was there, was that Newcastle were going to back McLaren, weren't panicking, and it was going to be this transfer fund in, in January. Is it, A, do you buy that? And B, do you think it's too little, too late? Do you think? Because I'm, I'm seriously thinking Newcastle are done this season. I, I, I think there are not currently three worst teams. And as what are your thoughts, Michael? I'm, I'm desperate for them. Not, I'm desperate for that not to be the case, you know, um, because this is a really big season, not to get relegated, um, and make no bones about it. If we go down, there is no nothing in that team that's going to get you back up again, you know. Uh, least of all the manager. Um, so. Um, God, that's a hard one. I think it's. I, th- I think it is too early to say he should go, and there should be a replacement. He's asked for ten games. I think when we get to ten games, I think we'll have to look at what he's done, what he's achieved, and um, and and then look more deeply into his um, into his previous record, you know, and, and whether or not he's he showed he could turn things around. But you can do that after ten games. If we're if we're having this conversation. After ten games, and we're having we've lost another derby, and we're out the league cup, and we haven't got a win after ten. Then I think it's very difficult to say that we're going to stop up, isn't it? Definitely. Appreciate you coming on, Michael. Thanks very much. Thanks for inviting me. Cheers. Cheers, Mike. Cheers. Bye now. Bye.
So, very interesting from, from uh, McMartin there, the editor of True Faith. That's about it from us this week. Thanks very much for tuning in. Uh, you've got the... Sorry, and this is where, if you're still listening, you've got to listen to me plug several things that <laughs> you, that we've got going on. So we, we are the True Faith Weekly Podcast. Um, you can find us on the True Faith website, www.true-faith.co.uk. Uh, I do a piece for the special every week, the Matchday newsletter, exclusive to True Faith. Sign up, it's free. It's basically an email version of the Matchday program. Get involved. We'll also have uh, the special podcast that we do. We've been fortunate enough, me and Michael, who you just heard there, to speak to Luke Edwards, George Colkin, and Martin Hardy this season. Three, well, in my opinion, I'm not, I'm not unbiased, the three best Northeast football journalists. Uh, listen to our shows. Uh, Martin talks to us about his book, Touching Distance, which is absolutely brilliant. We're going to do another podcast as well with Martin in November about the 95-96 season. Follow us on SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe on iTunes. We appreciate all of you who follow us, all of you who interact, and we've enjoyed doing the show. Ben, thanks very much for your time. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to Pete Mack for sorting them out on the sound, and uh, we will be back for the podcast on Monday. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome to the True Faith Weekly Podcast, sponsored by Phoenix Taxis and Coaches. To book online, please visit www.phoenixtaxis.net. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.